Well, we begin today's podcast with some news that was kind of heartbreaking, to say the least. Uh, Sacred Heart has postponed the first four games of the season against AIC, two against Army, and one, uh, excuse me, one against Quinnipiac, as there's been a small number of cases throughout the Shuhaki team and through subsequent contract tracing. But without further ado, we are very excited to have on our next guest on the podcast, and that's sophomore goalie Luke Lush. Luke, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. So let's start off with a, a, a basic question, and how did you get into hockey? And I know goalie is a very tough position. you got to face shots that come at you very fast. How, how did you get into hockey, and most importantly, how did you get into becoming a goaltender? Uh, well, being from Alberta, you know, it was kind of common for guys my age, you know, growing up to be uh, thrown into hockey, so... Uh, it wasn't much of a question there. I was also lucky enough where my dad and my grandpa and one of my uncles as well have been goalies. And so I think it's kind of a tip of the cap that I've kind of wanted to grow up to be a little bit like them. And so that's kind of what got me strapped in the pads. So bouncing off of that, what stuck out to you about Sacred Hearts hockey program when you were looking to play D1? Uh, well, the interest is one thing, you know, it's always nice to be wanted. And uh, I was lucky enough to be introduced to Scott. He came down and watched a couple of my games and they'd shown interest as well. And so after speaking to them a little bit and, you know, looking into the school, seeing that the, obviously we have a new rank coming in in a couple of years, like that's a big attractive piece for an incoming uh, recruit, as well as seeing the, the team's continued uh, improvement from year to year. It seemed to be climbing and becoming more and more of a, of a bigger Division One school. So that was pretty attractive to me coming in. Luke, I know you said you're from Alberta, and I'm not too familiar with the Canadian geographic, but th does that mean that you're a Calgary Flame fan? Or, like, what are some of the teams in Alberta, and, and did you have a favorite team growing up? Uh, I kind of lived all over Alberta. I, I, I've lived in a handful of cities, and as of right now, my hometown is actually just outside of Edmonton. So most people there are Oilers fans, and uh, myself, I can't really relate to that. I'm actually a huge Devils fan. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. my dad and I were both uh, big Broder fans growing up. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of who I've been cheering for. So it's funny enough that I'm actually so much closer to Jersey here now. A Devils I, fan from all the way from Alberta. I mean, yeah. you don't see those. No, I'm actually I'm actually from New Jersey. I'm there right now, but I'm a Red Wings fan, so not much going on for me. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, neither, I really haven't had anything going on either the last few years either, so I can't really say much. Yeah, so um, you, you mentioned Marty Bredore. Was there any other specific player, um, like maybe even not a goalie, that you admired growing up? Yeah, for sure. It, it was mostly goalies. Myself, I became a goalie at a pretty young age. But uh, on the Devils, you know, I was, I was a big Prize fan for a while until he left the mini. And then I was also a big Patrick Elias fan as well. And then in my younger years, you know, I, I liked uh, Niedermeyer as well as Stevens. We had Mark Johnstone on just a couple of yeah. podcasts ago. And he's from New Jersey, and he's a Devils fan. And he said the player that his favorite growing up was Patrick Elias, which is why he was number 26. Um, mm -hmm. do you, I mean, do you talk with John Sutter about the Devils a lot or, you know, not really? Yeah, it's actually one of the very few things we agree on, usually. Uh, <laughs> we, kinda, we like to butt heads quite a bit. So, you know, whenever that subject gets brought up, it's one of the few times I can be on a side with something. So, yeah, we chat about it here and there a little bit. So I want to talk about your mentality as a goalie real quick. Um, I mean, like – Will said earlier, being a hockey goalie is difficult enough. What's your, what's the mentality as a goalie, and especially at the D1 level? Like, what's going through your mind? Uh, hopefully, honestly, ideally, nothing's going through my mind. You know, I'm just kind of, what, what people refer to as being in the zone, or I, I like to think of it as being in the moment, like in the here and now. 
And so when I'm at my best, you know, there's not a whole lot going on up top. You know, I'm just kind of reacting and letting my uh, all of my all my hours and years of training kind of take over. Luke, I don't know if you remember this, but since we're talking about playing Division One goalie, in limited action last year, you made your first ever start and you got your first ever shutout. And right after that game, I interviewed you on camera. And mm -hmm. I asked you how it felt to get your first ever win in your first ever game, let alone your first ever shutout. Looking back on that now a year later, how, like, how does that feel? How did that sink in and how does that sink in now? Obviously it felt good. Like, it, you know, it can't get much better than that. Uh, for me, actually, like in that time period, I, I, was, I had a lot of personal, uh, you know, stressors going on outside of the rink for me. And it was actually like not the best time of my life. And so to be able to have that kind of escape, in hockey and see those types of results, you know, gave me a little more affirmation and, you know, it's a little, gave me a little bit of silver lining in my life that period. Honestly, if I can, it's something I may not have shared with many people, but the game prior to that, uh, just a few days before when we were at uh, AIC in Springfield, I actually got to play just the third period in that game and wasn't really tested. I had, a, I think, six or seven shots, if that, but managed to keep them all out. And that game itself, actually, if anything, might have meant more to me. It had been, you know, months since I'd seen any game action. And so that one there felt a little good to me, just to be able to get in and, you know, kind of get my feet back in there. And then uh, obviously the game afterwards, like I wasn't really tested either against Niagara, but, you know, I felt strong with my performance and, you know, I was lucky enough to pick up a couple of assists too. So that's always fun. Yeah. I've always oh, actually, wondered. Last thing, sorry. The game against Niagara was, I kind of kept it quiet too, but it happened to be my birthday as well. So. Oh, there you go. It was nice to spend that in the crease instead of on the bench. You said uh, I want to I want to let Jack ask another question, but you said that you got a couple assists to go with your first ever game. Yeah, I'm. I, it's been a crazy year, as you know. Um, I don't know if Niagara pulled their goalie at the end of the game. If they did, were you thinking you're going to shoot the puck to score a goal? Uh, we were up by six, so it wasn't really much of a question. Uh, yeah, like yeah. See, I, I don't remember that. Yeah, it, it's something that. I always dream of doing, especially being a Broder fan. Like he's got the, the NHL record for most goals as a goalie with three, I believe. And uh, so, yeah, it's something I, I dream of doing. I tried it once in junior and it actually kind of backfired and ended up in my net instead. <laughs> so uh, I haven't had the chance since, but I hope that uh, I hope that comes soon enough and that it goes a bit better for me this time. So I've always wondered, um, I played hockey growing up um, and we've had, two to three goalies on our team almost every year in club when the coach calls over to you on the bench and says you're going in and like it seems like sometimes it'll catch you off guard like what's going through your mind what do you do to prepare to go in um I know you said earlier that you're just kind of empty up top is it the same thing like right as you're about to go in or do you ever maybe even overthink the situation uh not necessarily you know there might be some times where nerves kind of you, you might feel a little bit physically and that's normal for anyone to feel but uh you know, in a lot of instances, like when you're getting put in there, it's whether it's their, you know, you're starting going being injured or, you know, your team just not doing too well. Like you're essentially, you know, there's not a lot of blood on your hands per se. Like you're going into an already pretty messy situation usually. So there's, you don't have much to lose really, which is kind of a nice and freeing feeling. It's either, you know, the game stays as it is, or, you know, you might come in and get to play the hero. So I, it's not something I usually typically worry about. If anything, my biggest worry would be that when coach looks over me, I'm not snacking or anything on the bench. Uh, so, yeah, honestly, that's probably the biggest worry. What is your relationship like with the other goalies? Um, between Josh Benson and between Talamato, what's, 
what's your relationship between the two of them? Obviously, you've had to say goodbye to, to Drennan Atherton from last year. What's the relationship like? Uh, I get along with him really well, actually. Uh, Benson's one of my neighbors here. He's a really great guy. I, I find I relate to him a little bit more than some of the other guys on the team him, with him being from uh, Minnesota. It's uh, uh-huh. a little more similar to what people are like back home for me. So I like I kind of see that in him, and I've always related to that. And I got along really well with Drennan as well last year. And, uh, and as well, like, I, I get really, along really well with David this year too. We're all kind of, you know, goalies. It's, it's hard to appreciate what a goalie goes through unless you have done it yourself. And so I think right. – it's nice to have those people you can always can kind of confide in on the team and that can really understand what you're going through as well because it's not always the same for what the players are going through. So moving on from hockey real quick, um, over quarantine, I feel like everyone had their own little guilty pleasure. What was yours? What did you do to stay busy? Oh, uh, probably walk my dog. Uh, that was one of the, when I first got home, uh, Alberta isn't really known for having the best weather. And so I think for the first month and a half or two months when I was back home, we still had quite a bit of snow and it was, you know, below freezing temperatures. And so it was the only thing that I liked or I would leave the house for, for the first few weeks. And so, yeah, I was mostly that it was really just getting outside to walk my dog and enjoy some fresh air. You, you mentioned Alberta is not the best weather wise. What like what's it like in the summertime? I mean, I don't know how it is for you guys, but mm-hmm. back in March, I came back home to Long Island right when the school sent us back to quarantine, uh, when the whole pandemic began, and we have you know pretty normal weather up here. Summertimes reaches the nineties. What was like the off season like for you? I mean, is there like pools up there? I mean, is, is it warm enough up there to go swimming and all that? Because I like I said, I have no idea what it's like. In, yeah, in- it's uh. It, they're just really like in the summer it's quite nice actually and it, so there's more just of a huge variance really so we go by celsius so in the summer you know we'll get temperatures 85 90 degrees on good days and we have a nice summer it just starts a little later typically you know it doesn't really start getting that nice out until middle to late may and then it already starts getting chilly again in september like i know right there they've had snow for probably at least a month now and I think they were at negative 20 degrees Celsius. I don't really know the conversion there to Fahrenheit. That's probably, I think, about seven or eight degrees Fahrenheit. Or sorry, no, sorry, that's more so, sorry, that's closer to 30. Uh, it's probably, it's a little lower than 30. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, it's not great in the winter, but in the summer, it's definitely nice, especially if you go to a nice area like Banff or something in the mountains. You know, I made a few trips like that. Uh, I also made a few trips to British Columbia, mostly in the uh, Penticton area. I've got some friends that live there. It's a beautiful area if you ever want to look it up. It's re- it's really worth checking out. Really hot there as well. That gets to like that gets to more like the 90, 95, 100 degree temperature. Yeah. Did you come down to the states a lot um, playing growing up before college? No, uh, I don't think I actually ever played in the states once before coming to college. Uh, had a bunch of tournaments within Western Canada, and that was about it. We like it's a, it's a pretty big hockey hotbed out there, right? Like it's our number one sport it's definitely ahead of football baseball basketball and so you never have to look that far for competition being from alberta and you not coming to the states to play hockey until college do you know all the states here in america i do actually i we we kind of mess around here sometimes so in our house we have uh, brady tuck who's also fellow alberta and we also have uh, yepi europe who's from denmark and we always kind of mess around with ourselves saying how we understand uh, 
uh, American geography maybe a little bit better than a lot of Americans do, <laughs> or at least significantly better than most Americans understand Canadian geography. And we have far fewer provinces than you could have states. And it's funny, we'll try to quiz some of the boys sometimes on how many provinces there are or how many they can name. And it's, you know, it's nice just to give us a little chuckle here and there. Did you know, like, all the states before coming to the states? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, because some people that I talk to that are, are not from Connecticut and are not from the country, they go, I never knew Connecticut ever existed. Because if you look at a map, Connecticut is, like, buried all the way on the East Coast. Yeah, that, that is true. Uh, I couldn't have... I knew, I knew of all the states. I maybe couldn't have pointed them all out on a map before coming here. Uh, but I knew of all of them. I didn't know much about Connecticut, I'll tell you that, aside that it was in the Northeast. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd still visit the states before, not necessarily for hockey. Like I'd come, I got the chance to actually watch Broder's Drizzt retirement with my dad around my 18th birthday uh, a handful of years ago. And so we were staying in New York City, you know, got to watch a couple of games. So I had a decent idea of the area, but uh, yeah, I kind of knew things, but yeah, I know, I think I had a pretty good idea for what the States was like and, you know, all the places, so. Talking about the NHL real quick, um, they're looking at a January 1st start from what I last heard, mm -hmm. but there's rumors about the Canadian teams and how they, I, this is just a rumor I heard, I don't think this is going to be official or if it may have come from an official source, I'm not sure, I honestly forget where I heard it. But I heard a rumor that the Canadian teams might only play each other. And what's your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that would just kind of well, let them it, tear into each other? It kind of makes sense because, like, with the border situation, I know for myself, I can't go home until May because of the whole quarantine situation. If I go home, I'm supposed to quarantine for two weeks. And if I come back, I'm supposed to quarantine for two weeks. There's a month right there gone. And given our schedule and how it's going to be a little condensed, right, that's, that's a lot of time to miss. And so – uh, yeah, I don't think it's kind of hard for them to work at the, around that as well. And you even see that with the NHL, there were still issues about players getting into the bubbles, both being in the, on the Canadian border side. And so it would make a lot of sense, you know, it's maybe not what the league wants, but given the current situation, you know, they, they have to be flexible for a lot of things. When you talk about what you do playing hockey with Sacred Heart, what you do off the ice, walk us through an average day for Luke Lush getting, you know, waking up on game day and getting ready to go to the game. What's an average day like for Luke Lush? Well, uh, you know, like everyone else, I kind of get out of bed, put my pants on one leg at a time. Uh, I try to stay in the habit, uh, just try to be productive in the morning, keep my phone away from my bed. So it makes me, force me to get out of bed at the first time the alarm goes off, uh, make my bed, just kind of get started. You know, I like to keep things light on game day. You know, it's, it's a little bit different depending on at home or on the road. So I'm pretty flexible about things. I try not to be too uptight, like, you know, goalies are stereotypically are. Or, and so the big things for me are, I guess, that are staples is I try to eat as much as I can. I've got a pretty big appetite. And so I want to make sure that I've got as much of my stomach as I can for the end of the game so I don't run out of gas. Uh, I'm big into meditation. And so one of the last things I do before we depart for the rink is I have this little guided meditation I do real quickly. I do that, have a quick cold shower. Uh, kind of wakes me up a little bit since I don't drink coffee and then just kind of head to the rink, hang out with the guys, keep things light, play a bit of sewer ball. And then uh, I like to get dressed pretty late and that kind of stresses the guys out a little bit. So I well, last thing I do is I just go up in the stands, tape my stick, say a little prayer and then come down to the dressing room with, I don't know, like seven, eight minutes left for warmups and 
throw my stuff on quick and head out there. But yeah, nothing too crazy, or at least nothing too crazy that I'd share with anyone in particular. Do you have any of those like quirky superstitions, like your left pad goes on first every time or anything like that? I wouldn't even necessarily care. Like, I don't like to consider them superstitions at this point because uh, if, if say for whatever reason, it just doesn't happen or I don't do it, I'm not going to stress about it. Right. Like a lot of people, it's not like a, a must for me, but it's something in like my routine evolves from year to year. Right. So it's different than it was three years ago, but it's pretty, it's pretty down pat and like muscle memory now where I do pretty much the exact same thing every time without realizing it. Like, I don't know if you guys would have seen it. There was a cool clip of Henrik Lundqvist during uh, warmups during these playoffs, uh, just this past spring and summer where they videoed him, they compared it from one game to the next game. And it looked absolutely identical, right, for like two minutes straight. And so, you know, you could probably do something similar to that to me, and it would look pretty close to the same. And that's just because it's basically become muscle memory at this point. I'm just on autopilot running through all that stuff. What I want to ask you is kind of become like a coach to our listeners and viewers because you hear them talk about all the time on TV, the hardest thing for a goalie to do is stop a deflection. But I want to ask you, as a goalie, and you're taking shots in practice in a game, is the hardest thing to stop is a deflection, and why? Oh, well, I was hoping I could maybe ask you the question, you'd have an answer, because I still haven't quite figured it out either. Uh, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely difficult, you know. Uh, it's not something you can totally prepare for, because, you know, if the puck doesn't get deflected, then you still got to make the save, right? And it probably looks worse if you don't stop the save if it's not deflected. Uh, it's big thing at least for myself I know I, I'm I was blessed enough to have a big frame you know I'm pretty tall and thankfully modern goalie gear helps fill me out so I don't look too thin and uh so it's a matter of just kind of putting myself in the best position to make the save if it does get deflected right uh a lot of times prior to that maybe it's just a communication thing you know if you can talk to your defenseman as the puck goes up to the point it's coming through if you can talk get them to tie up sticks right then that's you don't have to worry about it at all and that's probably the easiest save to make but uh yeah, and if it does get deflected, hopefully you're in a good enough position where you still get a piece of it. If not, hopefully you can react quick enough to, you know, get something behind it. Who's got the most difficult shot to stop on the team? Uh, I'm going to answer with no one because I don't want to give anyone that value. It's <laughs> a good answer. Yeah. So, Luke, I remember when I came down to film practice before um, like the quarantine hit, uh, you came up to me and you said, do not post anything that's on, that I'm scored on. Because there was a nice video of, I, I forget who shot it, but they went bar down. And you turn around and look at the camera and it, it's on Instagram to go back and you just shake your head. like Really? And, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that, but I remember mentioning that to you. I just don't need any bad press. <laughs> um, I hope that didn't make it on Instagram. Well, it did. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's about a month old right now. So. Okay, I'm gonna take the blame for that. That was that was on me. Okay, I haven't I haven't been on Insta in a few months now, so I <laughs> thankfully haven't seen it. Otherwise, it'd be your guys' ass. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to you know stopping shots, and you're defending like a power play, and you always got to watch out for the one timer. Is how how difficult is it to get over, you know, from from one side of the crease to the other to stop that one timer? And is it just like, is it luck? Because you never know where the one-timer is going. You know, they can go top shelf. They can go five hole. How do you react to something like that? Uh, you know, it's just being aware, having your head on a swivel and being aware of the play in front of you. And a lot of times, you know, our team's pretty good for doing pre-scouting throughout the week. You know, we kind of have an idea of what our opponents are going to do. And we have PK meetings. And so we have an idea of what they're going to be looking for. 
And so you already have that in the back of your mind. You get your head on the swivel and you see the, their options while they're on the power play. And on plays that go across, really, if, if you're prepared, you shouldn't be in a position where it's too hard to get across. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, most of goaltending is positioning. And so if you're in a good position, you know, it makes it a lot easier on yourself. Honestly, if anything, power play in practice last year was more difficult than in games. Obviously, you didn't see a lot of minutes, but because we had to face guys like Austin McElmurray and Vito Bavaro on the off wing there taking huge bombs. And it was either it was either going to the back of the net or it was hurting. So <laughs> Even with all that gear on? I mean, uh, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I want to follow up with this question. Is there any part of a goalie's equipment that you don't want to get you know, shot in that, you know, will sting. I know a lot of goalies say the mask because if it hits you in the mask, it'll sting you. But aside from that, is there one specific spot, part of the body where you don't want to make the same with? Yeah, well, like between your between your thighs isn't too great either, usually. Like that, that still hurts a little bit. Uh, I know Heights, you'll get a kick out of this. And so will Maddie, actually, more than anyone is. I'm pretty particular about my chest protector. I'm, I'm pretty flexible with everything else, but I'm very particular about my chest protector. And the one I started the season with last year had very soft arms and I was being a pretty big crybaby about it because I was, I was leaving practice every day with a couple new bruises. And so I ended up uh, kind of doctoring it up and making some modifications to it and switching out the arms. And I've actually done the same thing this year to the one I got. I wasn't a huge fan of it either. And so I've made a few changes and kind of built one up to, you know, so, so I'm feeling less of the shots, but yeah, you definitely still do feel a lot of shots. Uh, I'm lucky enough where I usually don't take too many off the mask, whether that's just because I dodge them or I'm tall enough where guys are hopefully usually shooting there. But yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of spots where it still hurts. So you wouldn't tell us who had the uh, most difficult shot, but heading into the locker room, who's who's the biggest? Um, I guess you could say class clown in the locker room. Oh, uh, there's a few guys that come to mind. This year has been a bit difficult because we haven't been able to be in the locker room all at once with all the guys. And so, you know, it's hard to judge everybody together. Uh, there's a few guys like last season, for example, Vito was a big guy that could get everyone laughing and whatnot. So same with uh, Mike Lee. And as for this year, I think uh, Derek Contessa might have that role. You know, all the guys seem to be able to get a, a joke or sorry, more of a laugh, whether it's, you know, out of him or, you know, at him. Uh, there's a few other guys like Marcel Godbout. He's, he's a real funny guy too. Johnson gets the guys going sometimes, but yeah, I think, I, I don't think there's one clear cut winner this year in that, but there's a few guys that chip in. I want to go back to last year, which was the highlight of my year because it's been a very uh, gruesome year. And, and that was a Connecticut ice tournament. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this, but Mike Richter was actually there for um, maybe both or I know one of the games. Um, did you have a conversation with him, you know, from goalie to goalie, or did you kind of just go about your day as a regular basis? Uh, you know what, until you mentioned that, I almost forgot that he was there. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's just because he's a Rangers fan, or a Ranger, and I'm a Devils fan, so it didn't really stick to me. But he is uh, obviously, uh, I think he's in the Hall of Fame, I'm pretty sure, as a goalie. Yep. He's very good. Um, you know, we got the top college goalie award named after him, and uh, he's, he's quite, the, quite the figure, but... No, we didn't get the chance to really see him or chat with him. It would have been nice to me pick his brain a little bit and, you know, ask a few questions, but I didn't get that chance. Walk us through that moment where you guys were declared CTI champions. Uh, it was pretty cool. You know, I, I don't really have much of, like, the, the mental monologue with me anymore of that. It was just kind of being able to experience the moment. It was pretty cool because we had a decent lead. 
And uh, and right before that, uh, my roommate at the last year, Braden Tuck, managed to score that empty net goal to kind of seal the deal. And so that there was kind of where we really started to get excited. You know, we kind of had it in the bag almost. And so it was, it was a lot of cool, like, anticipation and excitement building up there. And then it was just cool to share that with all my teammates. And then it was nice enough that the uh, dean, I, the business college at Seacart last year, gave us the day off the following, like, that Monday, the next day. And so uh, we managed to enjoy ourselves that night, too. Did you know that uh, Rod Brindamore was actually in attendance for both of those games? I did not know. He wasn't on our bench, so I couldn't have told you that. Well, because his son, uh, I, I, I don't know if he still plays, but he played for Quinnipiac last year. That's right. Uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I probably I probably made the connection, but I didn't really think of whether Rob was in the stands or not. So describe your relationship with the coaches real quick, um, especially last year when you had limited time. Uh, you were on the bench a lot. Um, do you think you had a different kind of relationship with, say, CJ and Scott um, than – you may have, or I mean, than other players may have? Yeah, I guess for sure. I mean, as a goalie, it's a bit different too, where, you know, the coaches aren't necessarily the most knowledgeable when it comes to position. And that's, you know, that's pretty standard and normal across the board when it comes to coaches. And so they put a lot of their trust in uh, Craig Height with that stuff, being their goalie coach. And so I definitely had a more of a day-to-day working relationship with Craig than I did with any other coaches. Uh, but I, I'm a huge fan of our coaching staff here, whether last year between CJ, Scott, and uh, Paul. You know, they're all really good to me. And, you know, they're still good for keeping me honest and pushing me to be my best. Uh, but, yeah, they're all great for that. And then this year as well, like with the addition of Steve and with Paul's departure, I, I really enjoyed my time with him so far too. And he's been good for kind of taking over that role with all the video and systems. And he's been good for trying to, you know, ask everybody, including the goalies, you know, for our input with these systems and how to incorporate ourselves into that. So. I'm, I've been a big fan of it. I can't ask for much more with the coaches. They do their job quite well. And so I just try to keep up my end of the deal. Well, Luke, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we had a lot of laughs. Um, to be quite honest, I don't really – I don't expect much from, you know, college hockey players. You know, they kind of want to get what they got to get done, go to the rink and come back. But you – I mean, you were great. And, uh, you know, we, 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 um, we really appreciate that. Thank you. You bet. Anytime. All right. Thanks, I Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Luke. Well, that was Luke Lush, um, goaltender, great guy, a lot of fun to do that interview. Yeah, you know, he was great, and he made us, you know, laugh at a lot of things, and it, it was kind of good to have that one-on-one conversation um, with him, you know, what's it like in the life of a, you know, college hockey player? So he had a lot of important information, um, but like we said at the top of the show, we're going to close with this statement that our opening game scheduled for Saturday, November 21st, has been postponed against AIC. The Army Series scheduled for November 27th and November 28th has also been postponed because of an Army COVID uh, minor outbreak on Army's campus. And because of our situation, we have also postponed November 24th at Quinnipiac. So as of right now, our tentative start date to start the season is Tuesday, December 1st at American International in Springfield, Massachusetts. That will change, so keep an eye on our social media platforms to get more of the breaking stories. Jackie, if you have nothing else to say, we can sign off. I'm good. Um, thanks for tuning in. Go Pio, stay safe. We'll see you next week.